So as we're starting again, we hope you enjoy this new series. Um, it would really help us out if you could share it, if you ever see us on social media, tell your friends about it. If you know someone who's a law student or thinking of being a law student, point them in our general direction and maybe they'll enjoy it. Whatever. Thanks very much. Hello, welcome to Barely Legal Comedy Podcast. I'm Alex Boardman, he's Chris Keogh, he's a barrister, I've got a law degree, we're both comedians. Listen to this, I was at a gig um, the other night, so there was a couple sat on the front row and it was a new gig, so the lights had not been set up really, really well, so the spotlight was not only on the stage, but on this one table right in the middle of the room. Right. And they were one of a few couples, most people were in groups of like four and six. And they were both quite attractive people. I don't know if that makes any difference. But I suppose it does because you just tend to look at them. Also, they were spotlit better than we were on stage. And when I was on at the end, about five, ten minutes in, they'd been, a tr- they'd been in trouble all night. And the dude just got up and walked out the man. Like they were clearly having some sort of row while right. I was on. Yeah. But it was all very silent and like theatrical like if it was a film it would have been done in slow motion with like opera music on <laughs> and he knocked his chair back and stormed out and she was like huffing and stuff and by now everybody's just watching it and then she was about to get up and leave so I've lost total control so I'm like hang on you've not drunk your wine <laughs> and she sat back down and big necked it and then got up and stormed out and everyone's like woo anyway um that should have been it, shouldn't it? That should be the end. Yeah. 10, 15 minutes later, I I, I leave, I get off, and um, as I'm leaving, they're still in the car park, they're having this most spectacular row, uh, and they had to be separated. Sounds like it's a bit of nothing. The gig was at, I'm not going to name the name of the venue, it was at one of these acts throwing... Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So do you know what I mean? Like a giant dartboard. Yeah, yeah. So we did yeah. this gig and there's like 10 big targets at the back of the room so, and, and booze. And we're like, oh my God, it's a pub that you can like throw axes at a target. Yeah. Um, what, what could go wrong? <laughs> exactly what could go wrong. Well, this is exactly what could go wrong. She had gone back in. After they'd had this argument and he'd followed her out, she'd gone back in and picked up an axe from behind the bar and had gone out. Luckily, the manager and stuff were dragging it off her at the time which then obviously turns into another bit of a row between the fella because it's like, it was just a horrific mess. Yeah. Right, had she gone through it, had she managed to to axe him (laughs) to death, (laughs) or at least just do him criminal damage, would that be classed as a crime of passion? Would it be classed as assault? Would it be classed as something more serious because there's an axe involved? Is it just... the people that own the axe throwing place, are they culpable at all? Because they they own axes and keep them behind the bar? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of questions <laughs> in there. But, um, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I mean, if we take um, take her behaviour, right? Right. So she goes we don't go, know what the argument's about. No, 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 no. Um, well, well, let, let's, let's assume that the axe people have got that legally. They've actually... There's no negligence on their part. You know what I mean? No. That the, everything's legal. But she has... In essence, acted 
incorrectly in taking. She's been able to get this axe for whatever yeah. reason. It no. is a wee. Axe is in the title of the pub. Yeah, so yeah. Not operate, it's yeah, not It's like not like a, called the Red Lion, and then it's like round the back. Come through to the axe room. You know, like, it's like <laughs> you have to knock on the door. <laughs> like, and go press, down a bu- the press a button. Like when the police have gone, like all the tables turn over, and there's loads of medieval weaponry everywhere. You know, <laughs> you're like bugs him alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. <laughs> so it's not that. It's not that. Right. It's no, okay. it is a legal place. Right. So so we can discount that as an issue. Um, so if she's gone outside with the axe, now a lot will determine, and she hits him with it and he dies, or, she, or for whatever reason, a lot will determine uh, on what her intentions were. Right, okay. Okay. Um, because that is really a key point uh, within, within criminal law. And... I mean, to be fair, this all sort of reminds me of, of a of a case. Oh yeah, I think I remember this case. I remember. So the case. I mean, let's check. We were both remembering the same case. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, is, That's uh, the first bit of production we've ever done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and uh, Wilmington, the DPP, was the case I was remembering. Is that is 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 that the one that you were remembering? As well? um, I just remember. Uh, no. <laughs> it might be. Well, it might be. I only remember facts. I don't right, remember okay. names. Not names. Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember facts that well, but uh, so it could be or it might not right. be. Let's let's um let's go through the facts then of, of the case. Okay. So so Wilmington v the DPP, um it's a case from it's a very um, famous case uh within uh the criminal study of criminal law and criminal law um history and jurisprudence. Um it's from nineteen thirty five the case actually took place. Okay. Um, and I can I can let you know who the uh, who the bench were if that's uh, okay yeah. So what is the bench firstly? What do you mean when you say the bench? The, the, basically the the uh, the tribunals so or the judges that were listening to it. If it was in the magistrates court, the bench would be the magistrates or a district judge. If it's yeah. a district judge case, um, the higher up you go, it depends on you know if it was in the crown court, it would be um, a judge sitting alone with a, on the bench, and then you've got a jury to make the actual decision um, on the facts. Um, sometimes the bench in uh, in a criminal court, if it's an appeal from the magistrates court, will be um, a, a crown court judge with two what they call wing men, um, <laughs> really? Didn't w- wing that? members who are magistrates who will sit alongside oh them. God. Do you know what a wing man is in like modern parlance? It's someone who you go on the pull. You go on the pull with, isn't it? And they kind of take the mate out. And it can It doesn't have to be a wing man. It can be a wing woman. Wing but person. It, yeah, it, yeah. yeah, but I think they, even a wing woman they call a wing man. Right. And I think it's it's like F. It's like RAF type term. I think it's, it's from Gun, Top Gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but and it's basically someone who'll like take a bullet for you or help you to pull. I think, I don't, right. you know, I've been married That's, the, that's years. the idea behind it, is it? Yeah. Right, I'd, okay. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like the equivalent for a married man. You know, someone who'll take the bullet of an argument <laughs> or some wrongdoing. <laughs> so you just pull your wingman in when your wife's crossed with you. Yeah. Say, it was Keo. <laughs> she, she shouts at you for 20 minutes and you yeah. have to... <laughs> that's what you want. In the old days, he's like a sort of like a, a wingman. You know, like the person who would... Who would behave just appalling, you know, do something absolutely ridiculous on a night out? Yeah. So that no matter what you did, they, like, they yes. would eclipse it. So that exactly. the only per- yeah. almost like a not really a wingman. That's more like a sort of zinc galvanizing block, <laughs> isn't it? You yeah. know, you just sort of. Do you know what that's like? That's like a clown at a rodeo. 
So they're <laughs> <laughs> a bullfight, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're like, the bull's coming right at you and the clown just runs on and goes, come and get me, bull, come and get me. <laughs> yeah, there's always, everybody's got like an idiot mate who like, you go, oh, what happened last night? Do you remember when you dropped that glass? And you're like, yeah, but do you remember John set fire to the curtains <laughs> and like, smashed the window? And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> get out of jail, free card. So the bench... Um, where did we get up to? Did we get up to the Court of Appeal with three? House of Lords we got up to. So yeah, Court of Appeal thing. We're actually, in this case, is in the House of Lords. Right, um, which is not called the House of Lords no, anymore. No, it's called the Supreme Court. No, right. Yeah. And they but have... it's 1935, so it was still yeah. called the House of Lords. There's five of them sitting, right. on the, sitting on the bench. So we, who were the judges? So there's Viscount Sankey, who was the Lord Chancellor at the right. time. Right, that's a place in Warrington. It is. And <laughs> used to be a gig. Did um, it? In Manchester, like in raving oh, Sankey's. days. Yeah, Sankey's, yeah, because yeah, it was the Sankey's soap building. Yeah, yeah. So that's like, oh, is that why it was called Sankey's? Yeah, because it, it was in the Sankey's soap. Oh, no, I didn't know that. It used to be called Sankey's soap. It, yeah, I remember it being called Sankey's first, soap. Yeah. But I didn't know that was because the building it was in was called that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I threw up in there really badly once because I decided to like start smoking. Right. After not smoking for five years and only ever casually smoking, I bought myself a pack of six off my head from a machine yeah and just apparently chain smoked got to about number 10 and just threw up <laughs> got kicked out i remember wow. any of it wild crazy days <laughs> off my head on embassy I was, you know. <laughs> you yeah. oh my god you could so, smoke inside remember yeah oh crazy so and it was so, good because it masked all the smells for instance of vomit when, when yeah i must admit when the first band smoking in pubs and you went into a pub it was like God, and you could see clearly and smell things. Like, yeah. This is horrible. It's you know, awful, is isn't like... it? It's so awful. <laughs> so we've got Sankey. Is he the top boy? Yeah, so so he's the Lord Chancellor. Um, wow. Back in the days when Lord Chancellors were <laughs> people to be respected. <laughs> Legal experts. <laughs> yeah. so, he's, so he's the Lord Chancellor and he's sitting on that case. So yeah. theoretically then, the current Lord Chancellor in, in England is Dominic Raab. Yeah. So could he... Theoretically, sit on a no, no, he, 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 no, because they, what they did is they int- they created a ministry of justice, right? Which obviously sounds more like a nightclub, doesn't it? But, yeah, um, it doesn't. But, yeah. I know, oh, it sounds like Harry Potter to me. Yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't sound real, does it? It no. sounds like something from Judge Dredd. You know, like in The yeah. Simpsons when they change jury duty to say more exciting. He says like, oh my God, I've been invited to join the Justice Squadron <laughs> yeah, at the yeah, Municipal yeah. Palace of Vengeance. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> yeah so. it does sound like that. So he can't do, he couldn't do that. Yeah, which he's, just he's, well. he's not a judge, you know what I mean? So No, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, they'll, they'll change that if it, if it suits. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Yeah, when it comes to uh, trying, uh, do, do we think there was any criminality in these... Um, Contracts handed out for PPE. <laughs> no. What well, do you well, think Lord... Judge Pretty Patel? <laughs> she, she's a bit of firm against. Yeah, yeah. She's a nay. Yeah. Lord Chief Justice Hancock has decided <laughs> that... Um, oh, God. That, no, it doesn't. Um, so, we've got Viscount Sankey. Uh, we've got Lord Hewitt, who's the Lord Chief Lord Chief Justice. Right. Um, wow. Then we've got... So, Lord... that's the two top pretty much legal yeah, yeah. people within Save, the judiciary. So, serious case, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and then we've got Lord Atkin... Lord Tomlin and Lord Wright. Right. Atkin, Tomlin and Wright. It sound like a music hall trio from the era, yeah. don't they? You know. To be honest, of all the names for a judge, Wright is pretty much who you want. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like... I quite, I, I, I like the one at the minute. I, I like, there's, there's a justice judge, isn't there? Judge, judge. <laughs> yeah, judge, judge. Yeah, yeah we good. love him. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, nominative determinism, that, isn't it? You know, but, <laughs> yeah, um... exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Um, so, and it's called Wilmington versus the DPP from 1935. Direct to Public Prosecutions, obviously. Oh, yeah. Well done. So the facts are as follows. So Reginald Warmington, he's the um, defendant in the original case, uh, an appellant in this case. Yeah. Uh, so it's an appeal from, so he was convicted um, at a lower court in the Crown Court and it was appealed up to the House of Lords. Uh, Reginald Warmington, he's 21 and a half years old. Okay? Right. Um, very specific. You don't see a half say. given Past the age of about 12. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it becomes like important. Like, you know, you know, people say, how old are you? Like, how old are you? And they go, oh, He'll be five in two months. Yeah. So he's four then. So that's four, how many yeah. old he is. You he know is. That's how... It does make a difference, though, up to a certain age, doesn't it? Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Especially if you're a kid. Yeah. But now I'm like, I am literally just past 40. <laughs> <laughs> By about eight years or yeah. so. I'm just middle aged. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Matter anymore. I'm just off the radar for everything. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so Reginald Walton, 21 and a half years old. His wife was 17 and a half years old last December. Right. Um, they'd known each other for some time, and upon August 25th, they were married. Okay? August 25th, 1934, because this children right. is handed down in 1935. Um, upon October the 14th, she gave birth to a child, so a nice happy story so far. Yeah. You know? And these are, like, this is the age people got married and yeah. had kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of what you're physiologically you sort of supposed like, to do. Yeah, yeah, because like you were dead at 50, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, so far, so normal and nice and so yeah. on. But upon October the 14th, so a couple of months after the birth of the child, um, there appears to... It's not October 14th that was given birth. Shortly thereafter, there appears to have been some quarrelling between them, and she left upon November the 22nd. So about a month after the child's born, they've had a falling out, she's left right. and gone to her mum's. We all know it's a difficult time when you've had your first child, you know what I mean? So that seems fairly understandable. Yeah, of course it is. This is the point where she gets an axe from behind the bar. <laughs> Not quite, no. <laughs> so she, she goes back to her mum's, right? So he then engages in a sort of like campaign to try and win her back. You know, like going round yes. and sort of saying, will you come back? And she says, We've all no. We've been on that. Blah, blah, blah. Um, now, in the, in the trial, the prosecution proved that about 9.15 on the morning of the 10th of um, December, I think it was, um, Mrs. Daisy Brine, what a brilliant right. name that is. Who's Daisy Brine? No, she was hanging out her washing. She is a neighbour, basically, right? Nosy buddy Daisy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, she, uh, she, well, she was hanging out her washing at the back of her house at 25 Newtown, Millbourne Port. Um, she was enge- and while she was engaged in that occupation, she heard voices from the house next door. So she's the next door neighbour. Yeah. Number 24. Now, she knew that in that house, her niece... Um, Reginald Warmington's wife was living, right? So she's the aunt, next in line, but and also the auntie. Right. She lives next door to her sister. She's gone, you know, who's... Oh, I can't stand her already. Daisy just gets on my nerves. She's yeah, clearly got, a nosy... Well, Daisy, but like Reginald Warmington's wife's called Violet, so they've got Daisy and Violet, oh, and it's like the God. bouquets, aren't yeah. they? They were all named Yeah, yeah, the in the beat, was that in Wizard and Chips or something? Though? No, no, the bouquets. It oh, was right, in, um, in uh, Keeping Up Appearances. Keeping Up Appearances, yeah. They were all called... Named after flowers, weren't they? Like there was, because um, in one of the comics I used to have when I was a kid, it was like an answer to the Bash Street kids and they were all girls and they were called Daisy, Violet, Marigold. Oh, all right. Uh, which again is also the Darling Buds of May. I think they're all called that kind of thing too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, there you go. So it's a, tr- it's a well-worn trope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, you know, in Tales of Murder, it appears <laughs> as well, which is nice. Right, oh, it's a murder. Yeah, yeah. Sad him. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so basically, he, he, she overhears him in the house, and you know, you're coming back home, 
Um, she couldn't hear the answer, but presumably it was no because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the back door was slammed. <laughs> she then heard a voice in the kitchen but couldn't tell what was said. She then heard the sound of a gun. Right. Okay. And upon that, she looked out to the front window and she saw Reginald Warmington, whose voice she had heard just before speaking in the kitchen, go out and get upon his bicycle, which had been left or was standing against the wall of her house, number 25. She called out to him, but he gave no reply. He looked at her hard <laughs> and then rode away. Right, okay. So that's what she. That's what the witness heard. A getaway heard. vehicle. So there's been... So she, she, she's heard through the door, she's heard arguing, yeah. she's heard a gunshot, yeah. and then she's seen him come out, okay? Yeah. That was all proven by the prosecution, right? So once that's proven, he gives his version of events. So on the 10th of December... He goes in his usual way to the milking to do the milking at his employer's farm. So he works on a farm, right? Right. Um, and while there, takes effectively a gun from the farm because farmers have guns lying around and so yeah. on. Yeah. Takes a gun, takes a couple of um, uh, of the cartridges. Uh, there's only two. It's a shotgun. Takes two got shotgun cartridges. Um, takes a hacksaw, saws it, in, makes it into a sawn-off shotgun. Oh my god! Okay. Right. Right. Tie, using wire, sets himself a little thing up so he's got it under. He's got it on his shoulder that he puts under his coat. Okay. Right. So, so he's got a concealed weapon, in yeah. essence. This right? is all very sort of taxi driving. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So the reason you saw off a shotgun is to make it more powerful because the shot comes out wider. Yeah. So and also so it's easier to conceal as yeah, well. You know? Yeah. So um, so he, he basically, having done all that, he goes, you know, he, he, he gets, gets himself sorted out and then um, crosses a field um, and as he crossed the field, he dropped the end of the, having sawn off the uh, the end of the, the barrel, he dropped them in a brook. Okay, so it's oh, all right. sounding a little bit like preparatory for trying to cover his tracks here as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gets rid of the evidence a bit. Yeah, yeah. he went round, to, so having done all this, sorted himself out with this sawn off shotgun, he goes round to the house and asks her again if she's coming back, for which she gave no answer. Okay. Um, he went, followed her into the parlour. It's because it's the 30s. Yeah. So they're the rooms that people had. And asking her whether she would come back, she replied that she was going into service, which means she was going to become a servant in a, in a Oh, in a yes. House. Yeah, upstairs, downstairs yeah, yeah. kind of way. Yeah. Um, he then, so he says, threatened that he would shoot himself. Right. So suddenly take, things have escalated here and went on to show her the gun and brought it across his waist, is what he says. So if she's going into service, basically that would mean she's probably going to work as a maid. She's going to live like, as a scullery maid or something yeah. like that and live probably in the house. In someone else's house, yeah. under someone else's charge, really. Yeah. So she wouldn't be married any longer. No, no, no. And she, she would effectively be self-sufficient to a degree. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and whether the kid stayed with her or not. Yeah. Doesn't she, really matter. She's much. basically decided she doesn't want to be with him anymore. She's told yeah. him as much. And, and that, I'm going into service, was probably like... You know, the end... Like, it's like know, going into the French Foreign Legion or something. You're not confirmation. coming back and you can't get him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was a commitment to no longer be with him, in essence. Yeah. So he says, right, I'm, well, well, in that case, if you don't come back to me, I'm going to shoot myself. And gets his sawn-off shotgun out to show her that he's being serious about yeah. it. And then this is his version of events, right? Um, as he's doing so, he brings it across his waist. The gun somehow goes off. <laughs> because he's a gun and they always do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Accidentally, he says, um, and he was doing nothing unlawful, nothing wrong. It was a pure accident, but as it went off, it shot and killed her, okay? Okay. Right. Now, he then left the property. Um, now, there was a letter that he apparently had on his person yeah. that um, effectively said, 
that you know I'm going it was like a, effectively a suicide note yeah. in essence and saying what I've done wrong blah 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 um, there was some controversy as to when he wrote that he says he wrote it after he'd shot her because actually he was in grief for what he'd done and intended to kill himself then genuinely right. yeah. at that point yeah um, but he was arrested at half seven on the evening of the 10th and charged with having committed murder and he said I want to say nothing except I've done it um, and they can do what they like with me. It was jealousy, I suppose. Her mother enticed her away from me. I'd done all I could to get her back. That's all. Wow. That's what he said He's got on the arrest. classic uh, criminal sort of dialect. Yeah, yeah. I've done I it. I've done it, governor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Although he's a milk, like, made but man, isn't he? Yeah, he's he a farm labourer. Yeah. I think it's in the West Country, this as well. So right, he, he okay. might say... I I done it, you know. Yeah, like, he might, yeah, to he be might. fair. So, um, so he accepts the shotter, but he says he did it by accident. Now the judge, um, Mr. Justice Swift, so he, this is the first, so the, the first in the, fir- time in the first instance, right? He basically directed the jury that if they accepted that he'd actually killed her, which he admitted to, yeah, you know, then he said it's for that the killing of a human being is homicide. If he admits he's killed it, if he's, and you accept that it's been proven, then it's for him to prove that he did it by accident, in essence. So you know that that, that it's a fate accompli. That if it is, you know, he's got the burden of the proof, basically. Now the burden of proof means who it is to prove either a case or a certain point within a case. Yeah. The burden he said shifts to him. Um, to the defendant, yeah. to Wilmington. So what he because what he so said. Rich. So what he said is the killing of a human being is homicide. However, he may be killed. And all homicide is presumed to be malicious and murder unless the contrary appears from the circumstances of alleviation, excuse or justification. In every charge of murder, the fact of killing um, being first proved, all the circumstances of accident, necessity or infirmity are to be satisfactorily proved by the prisoner, by the defendant. Yeah. So that's what he said. Now, what do you think about that as a direction to the jury? Because the jury came back and decided that he couldn't prove that, that he hadn't proven that. He'd said what he'd done, but he didn't actually prove it to the sufficient standard, i.e. beyond reasonable, reasonable doubt. Yep. So, therefore, they convicted him of the murder because he hadn't discharged his burden in proving, in proving that it wasn't malicious. Yeah. Well, so, what do I think? What do you think of that? Well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know. I'm, not, I'm not thinking I know, and I know because this is the rumpole of the Bailey case. This is the thing rumpole talks about all the time uh, whenever he's defending someone who he knows is kind of innocent and the judge is against him and everyone in his chambers is also against him. Rumpel always talks about the golden thread of justice. Yes. Which is that a man is innocent until he's proven guilty. Yes. And that's Wilmington. No, in, in this, yeah, well, quite. Um, but what the judge had said in this case is that actually, because he, he, he referenced the, the malice element. So, to, to just break it down into sort of simple principles, there are two um, elements to a criminal offence. There is the act, and it's a bit of Latin. I know that yep. all, the, um, all the Latin fans listen to our show. Um, there's the actus reus, which is the physical act. In this which case, the actual killing. Yeah. There's no there's question. No, there's no question there. It's been done. He's shot her. You yeah. know what I mean? There is then the mens rea, which is the mental element. All so women's rea. All women's rea. So mens meaning mental. Um, right. So... Um, and well, rare. definitely women's then. Yeah, yeah. 
that. Which, and so, and so. That's, no, that's <laughs> right. There is no malicious intent in that joke. Yeah. And it, mean, it means it's sometimes called malice aforethought. Yeah, so the, well, the malicious yeah, that, intent yes. to actually do something. Which in, in the case of murder is to kill or to cause grievous bodily harm. Yes. To put it in simple terms. Okay. So um, unless you can... So what the judges said is that actually it's implied that that's proven until he can show you that it isn't. Yeah. He's basically that judge. What was he called? I can't remember. Swift. Swift. Swift and speedy. Swift and Swift and speedy justice is actually um, <laughs> the uh, one of the uh, objectives of the uh, civil procedure rules. But there you go. So Swift has basically said, because he's done the act, i.e., shot her, he ha- he now has to prove that he didn't. That it, that it wasn't malicious. That it yeah, wasn't. Yeah. It was a total accident. Yeah. And he hasn't quite done that satisfactorily. No. Because yeah. he hasn't. He's just... And he's also gone, I've done it, do with me what you want. Exactly. His statement to the police would make it virtually impossible for him to prove that. You know yeah. what I mean? Now, what... Um, so what the, what the House of Lords did and what Vice Count Sankey did is went through lots of different cases, going back to like the 1600s and things about, about effectively what the criminal law is. Um, and he came out with, with the famous saying at the end. So I'm, I'm not going to go... It's a, it's a long judgment and... We can our listeners can read it if they want. It's available online. If you if you just yeah. Google it, it'll come up. Um, uh, and what Sankey said, he came out with a very very famous statement, which I'm going to read out for you now. Which is throughout the web of English criminal law, one golden thread is always to be seen: that it is the duty of the prosecution to prove the prisoner's guilt, subject to what I have already said to be the defence of insanity. So insanity is a different one. We'll come on to that mm-hmm. in a future case, um, and subject also to any statutory accept, exception. If at the end of, and on the whole of the case, there is a reasonable doubt created by the evidence given by either the prosecution or the prisoner as to whether the prisoner killed the deceased with a malicious intention, the prosecution has not made out the case and the prisoner is entitled to an acquittal. Yeah. No matter what the prisoner is entitled, no matter what the charge or where the trial, the principle that the prosecution must prove the guilt of the prisoner is part of the common law of England and no attempt to whittle it down can be entertained. Yes. So, on that basis, they quashed the conviction. They didn't say, interestingly, they didn't say that he had proven a reasonable doubt and therefore he could go free. What they did do is say that the conviction was unsafe because of the direction of the judge. had said to the jury, your job here is to decide whether or not he has proven his innocence, in essence, by proving this reasonable doubt. And that's not what he has to do. And that's not what he has to do. What he has to do is bring into affect a reasonable doubt that the prosecution has proven their case. So the prosecution must prove A, that he's killed her, and B, that he did so with malicious intent. So he was sent back to the to the lower court to make that determination. Yeah. And that's the principle that was that you're reading from there. But that's a really good speech about that golden thread. That yeah. is something if you were writing an essay Rumpel Rump- always talks about it. Yeah. That would be my advice is watch Rumpel if you can get it and if not read the books because it's so good. Um because my thoughts on it, which are totally ill-formed and ill-educated, would be if you've sawn off a shotgun and you've con- and you've constructed some like elaborate wire design to conceal it about your person, yeah, um, and you've gone over to someone's house and visited them, and then you've pulled out the shotgun and it's gone off, yeah, there you, is you, a you, lot you, of foreseeability in that, and the fact that. Um, you know, you might not have fully intended it to happen, but was it kind of inevitable if you're waving a gun about 
that you've prepared to make a bigger shot than it would have had normally. So anybody standing in the way of it is going to get blasted. Yeah. Well, well, you're moving into an element of recklessness there yeah. as opposed to intention. So it's for the lower court to determine whether or not um, that that was you know that was the case. But I mean, I I, I if if you were um, if if you were sort of looking at that, if you were prosecuting that, you would say, well, you know, his comments to the police suggest that there was an intention there. Yeah. Um, he, um, this letter that he wrote, you know, this note that was found on him could be seen as him trying to sort of cover his tracks a little bit. Yeah. I think the sawing off of the barrels and throwing them in a brook yeah. is is suggestive of someone trying to cover his tracks. Well, there's you're talking about malice aforethought, that's the preparation. And yeah. How, hiding it about your body, you know, in those days, would it have been that uncommon a sight for a farm labourer to be carrying a shotgun on his back in full view of everyone? Probably not. If you, you know, if you're in farmland, farmers are allowed guns. They've always been allowed guns to keep wildlife away from the herd. So then I suppose he could argue that he sawed the barrel off so that he could commit suicide with it. Cause it's really hard. Yeah. to top yourself with a shotgun because it's so long and you again I've seen that on telly I think. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so so that that is that is that consolidated though the case what he did it, it consolidated that you are innocent until proven guilty and that the burden of proof is on the prosecution um, and that basically and it's a good little case to introduce lots of concepts that are mm. going to be throughout you know there will be a golden thread throughout this podcast which is we're going to be talking about things like burden of proof standard of proof factors race mens rea and um that case introduces all of them they're, they're all live yes. issues within the case but innocent until proven guilty which again is not very fashionable at the minute no on social media no any, no any crime you are accused of serious or not there are <laughs> thousands of people willing to Find you guilty instantly without yeah. without a trial, without anything. So you know, it's it's always been well. It's been there since 1935. That's when it was first codified. Is that almost not the well, right just, word? Just conf well. confirmed. You know what I mean? That, that yeah. basically that there there is um, and 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 it, it, it spread it across all criminal law. It was quite clear because there had been you know the cases they discussed here where you know the, Sw Judge Swift didn't just make stuff up. He was relying on previous decisions. Mm. Um, and yet, in essence, um, Viscount Sankey, the Lord Chancellor, said that those previous decisions were actually wrong because right. there is a this golden thread throughout, you know. And, and he said it there, and that's how the common law works. You know what I mean? You, you have the House of Lords is the highest court in the land. He can say, right, well, I am deciding. We are deciding at this point that this is how this law is to be interpreted, and that's and that's how it was. That was excellent, wasn't it? That is a great place to start. Please, um, if you were an existing listener from when we had the podcast before, or if you're a brand new listener, if you could maybe give us a like or give us a rating and subscribe, that would be yeah. massive help to us. And if you like it, tell your friends. And, you know, if you don't like it, tell your enemies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You came up with that. That was always my thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's literally a numbers game. It not, is not a numbers bothered. game, which I, is what as many Ironically, people... I don't care about your intention in what you're doing. You know? yeah, just... <laughs> the act of sharing Listen, and recommending. if you put, put this on because it sends your kids to sleep, that's perfect. Fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> um, but thanks for listening and uh, we're back very soon. Yeah.